Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Concerning Him podcast. Uh, I'm very excited. We This is our first episode in our new studio. We uh, spent a little bit of time moving over the summer. Uh, very excited to be here. Most of you won't care, probably just those who watch, but even still, it might look pretty similar. But today, I'm happy to be joined by Ray Guerra and Becca Wright. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Eric. Thank you. I'm very excited. Half of the Global Campus team yeah. is here with us today. Oh, yeah. Um. Before we get started into our fascinating conversation about social media, I want to talk, I want to just have you guys introduce yourself. Ray, what is your position here at Emmaus? Yeah, so I'm the Associate Dean for Academic Affairs, uh, and I serve as the Director of Global Campus under that role. Uh, and so I get to be part of uh, course redesign and managing the awesome Global Campus team that we have. And so we have a good time there, and it's a pleasure really to serve our online students, those of you who are watching that study with us. Uh, know that we pray for you and care for you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. And so I get to do that. I also do institutional effectiveness work for the college, uh, and so that's the, the main thing I do here. What is what is institutional effectiveness? Uh, it's demonstrating that we do what we say we're going to do in educating our students. Okay. So I just facilitate the process where we pull reports to say, this is what we say we're going to do, and here's the proof that we're actually doing it. Okay. In well, simple terms. If you want to learn more about Ray and who Ray is and some of his background and his passion for worship music, uh, go listen to one of the first episodes we did. We put it out about a year ago, uh, Music and Worship with Ray Guerra. Uh, you can learn a lot more about him. Great episode. But Becca, how about you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, my name is Becca Wright. I am the Digital Marketing Specialist and Office Manager for Emmaus Global Campus. Um, I am the face behind, we have four accounts, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I'm in quite a few places online. So I think this will be a good conversation. Becca, how about you tell us about uh, how you found yourself working for Emmaus? Because you've only been working full time for just a few months now, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, I mean, I just graduated from Emmaus. Um, from the business program, and I actually did a couple of courses with social media, too. So um, I actually have been working for Emmaus since freshman year, I guess you could say. Um, kitchen, various student responsibilities. I was an RA my last year. Um, and then actually, I was an intern for Global Campus this last semester, um, where I was doing fewer tasks than I have now, but they liked me enough, so... Give me a full-time position. She does a great job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, we're very happy to have you both here at Emmaus, but also here in the podcast today. Yeah. Um, I'm excited, Ray. We talked a little over a year ago yeah, about ago. concerning him, about mm -hmm. podcast, about blog. And one of the things you said to me, as I said, what are you passionate about? What would you like to talk about? What would you like to write about? I'm still waiting for an article, by the way. Yep. But yep. Um, <laughs> You, you you said to me, I really care about how Christians think about social media. Yeah. Um, and that stuck with me. We I had a guy named Blake Long on the podcast in the spring. He wrote a book called Gospel Smugness. And, and part of his book, he talked about Christians' use of social media. So we had a little bit of a conversation there about it. And he talked about 
kind of his personal social media plan and things like that. But I've been looking forward to having a bigger conversation and maybe in the conversation very well might be bigger than just this podcast. We might keep this going through multiple podcasts. Yeah. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, maybe we've got some faculty or staff that disagree with you and then yeah. they want to come on and talk about it from a different <laughs> perspective. That would be awesome. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm fascinated with Christians and social media and how to use social media. I feel like my observation is both of myself and other people that there's a lot of careless social media use. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to have Becca here who works closely with you, Becca, who works with social media for global campus. So she's thinking about these things. Um, so maybe just to start off in general, and we can get into specifics from here, but in general, what is the, how, how should we define the relationship or how should we view the relationship that Christians have with social media? Yeah. Yeah. If I can speak a little bit into like why I please. Want, I, oh, please. Um, yes. But I think the, before we get into that question, I think the reason I want to have this conversation is that in working with students, so I get to also teach a couple classes here at Emmaus, and I teach transitions and senior seminar. Um, and it was in my master's degree where I was doing uh, research on social media usage, specifically for uh, institutional leaders and how to leverage uh, social media to provide a narrative for their college mm -hmm. and what they're pursuing. There's always a narrative out there. Uh, on yourself or, or the institution organization you work for. And so you get to be part of the conversation. And one way to do that is through social media. But in my research, I found, um, and, and it just hit me, I realized like, oh yeah, this is true even for my life. There's, there's no real education for people in the use of social media. And yet it has the potential to do so much damage as we have seen even in recent years where it instill, um, it sort of propels violence, even in chaos in, so in, in communities around our country. I mean, we don't have to look too far to see the impact of social media. And so and we just don't talk about it. And when we do talk about it, it's always in the negative light. And so it's almost like taboo, like, oh, I don't want to mention that I have social media and that I get on it uh, because often uh, from the pulpit, it's seen in a negative light. And so it's not even sp spoken about. It's almost taboo. And so I just want to. Uh, contribute to that conversation a little bit to say it's okay to talk about and let's talk about it and use it in a healthy way. I also think some people shouldn't have social media just based on their tendencies. People need to be honest with themselves and and realize, you know, th this is not helpful for me. Uh, I have no real purpose for it. Maybe I just don't need to bar bother with it at all. But many people, statistics just show that there are uh, millions, if not billions of people on social media. And so the reality is that we're, we're on it. Christians are on it. And we need to have a conversation or begin a conversation about how do we use it responsibly. And I just mentioned the word purpose, using it purposefully. What purpose mm -hmm. is there for it? Uh, so that's why I want to talk about it. Um, and as far as the relationship between the Christian and social media is we need to understand ourselves. And so this goes to even just basic systematic theology of anthropology. And so understanding ourselves a little bit, what are we made of? Um, and, and the reality is that we're easily influenced, mm. easily influenced. And we want to be influenced by scripture, uh, by the word of God. And so this is why we have spiritual disciplines like praying and reading the Bible, because we want it to influence us. Social media uh, has a potential to greatly influence our lives. And so that relationship is an important one and it, and it should not be taken lightly. And so I think the fear is that sometimes uh, people are entering social media, whether teens or even, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 year olds and up, 
uh, or emptying social media and it has no purpose, right? It's just aimless. It's like allowing a 10 year old to drive the car. You know, they don't know how any of it looks like, but they're sitting there excited and off they go. Uh, you, you, there needs to be a conversation about how things work. What are the parameters? What's okay? What's not okay? And then when they come of age, you know, they, they, they learn to drive. And so for social media, that relationship should, as far as what it should look like, it should be a serious uh, relationship. You need to be honest with yourself and realize, does this have any kind of purpose? And if it has no purpose, uh, then it maybe it needs to mm. um, not be part of your life. And that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so some of the negative things that we all heard of is, you know, this, this idea of FOMO, right? Fear of missing mm -hmm. out. So a lot of people say, oh, it gives me uh, a lot of anxiety because I fear like I'm missing out on things. And so if you're in high school or a college student and you see your friends, you know, you're in your dorm room alone scrolling through Instagram and you see your friends went out for brunch or went out to hang out. Uh, maybe you get the fear of missing out like, oh, I'm sitting in my room and I should be doing something that causes anxiety. Uh, but again, if you give it purpose, if you're just aimlessly scrolling, sure, you're going to have those experiences. Um, because it has no purpose. You're just allowing it to influence you and how you feel. Um, so that relationship is an important one to have and to, and to maintain and to be honest with yourself with. But just like it's negative, technology itself is amoral, right? So it has no inherent morality. Uh, it can be used in positive ways or negative ways, and it can influence you in positive or negative ways. And so if you give it purpose, which I want to talk more about mm -hmm. as we go through the podcast, uh, if we give it purpose, then we're able to glean from it the things that are helpful to us in our ministry and our roles, uh, wherever the Lord has placed us. So I don't know if that answers the question. Maybe Becca, you have more to contribute to it, but I think that the, the relationship should be one that considered, uh, important and crucial in the life of the believer. I, I want to get more into purpose and I'm really excited that you're using the word that way. And, and, but before we get there, can we talk some about just the pitfalls that Christians especially could fall into in social media. And and sometimes, you know, if we wanted to get really specific, this might be different based on the platform, right? Mm -hmm. A pitfall on Twitter might be different than Instagram, might be different than Facebook, TikTok, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, but what are ways that Christians, okay, we're saying, because you're kind of saying there, there's some people that just shouldn't be on social media. And, and there's some people we probably all know that have self-addressed that and said, I'm not going to use it. And, mm -hmm. and kudos to you. That's great. But for those are choosing to use social media and want to use it with a purpose, what are these things that Christians need to watch out for? And some might be obvious, but I'd love to talk through them. Yeah. Uh, and and you, you did talk about fear of missing out. Yeah, and, fear and of missing I, that, out that's a huge one. one. And I, I think that there's there's more there, if that makes sense, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's a ton out there that contributes to this, to that that idea of fear of missing out, how to, in, uh, it affects people's anxiety, which leads to depression because of this fear of missing out. I think also that's the nature of social media. We want to capitalize on the really beautiful moments in our life. And so it can cause people to feel uh, jealous or envy. Um, and it's just the nature of, of the beast. It's the nature of it. We, we don't capitalize every moment of our lives uh, because sometimes not a lot of exciting things are happening. You know, I sit in my office for four hours before I walk around to another meeting or something. There's not exciting. There's not a thing. <laughs> I think it's exciting. But for most people, uh, I'm just sitting in my office working. There's nothing exciting happening. Uh, but when something exciting does happen, I want to capture it and capitalize it and share it with my family and, and close friends. Um, but sometimes that causes people to feel envy. I think of um, uh, friends that we have that... Um, 
are not married yet and and sometimes you hear people struggle with uh seeing engagements you know when engagement mm. season mm-hmm. comes around and so the kind of feelings that that has on them and so it's just being honest knowing that we can't be influenced by these things and being honest with yourself to say um hey i'm gonna get off it for a moment i'm gonna take a sabbatical if you will from social media because it is affecting my day-to-day i have also personally experienced when i see uh believers respond to things and believers that I know especially respond to things um, that are not respectful or they didn't, they didn't, they didn't were responding uh, responsibly, if I can say it that way. Uh, and it frustrates me. Mm. And sometimes it spills into other areas of my life because I'm frustrated at people. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have been frustrated if I hadn't been on social media. So just being very honest with yourself uh, about these things, but that's, I don't know if Becca, you have any other thoughts? Yeah, not necessarily catered towards FOMO, but I think, I mean, I've, I'm from a digital age in essence, you know, like one of my first tech classes was in fourth grade and we were told security, obviously don't post your full name online, you know, like be careful, always have profiles on private, you know, which a lot of that has come from a really good place. Um, And so just learning those things from a really young age, I think really impacts um, a lot of from my generation, just because we're a little, we're critical, but some people can't be critical enough. Um, And it definitely boils down to um, what the heart is saying. You know, like if your heart is in the wrong place, you're going to have a bad presence on social media. And if your heart is in a good place, you're going to have a pretty good presence on social media. You know, it all flows from the same place. So especially in Christians alone, um, you're not going to interact online well unless your heart is well, just like a doctor. So, yeah. Yeah. Another pitfall that comes to mind, you mentioned how you started in in grade school, kind of taking a technology class. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that that's becoming more common but it needs to be more so like it's still we're still very behind and the reality is that social media has only been around for about 15 years like it's very young it's not that old and so we're realizing the effects of it now and so i'm very passionate about educating so even in in our transitions course which is a course that uh freshman students take here uh, i often start that lecture with okay how old were you when you opened up a social media account the youngest so far was third grade. So somebody oh. opened up a social media third grade. Was that with parents' permission? Do you know? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them do it like late middle school okay, or yeah. freshman in high school. And so that's usually the age when people start opening up social media accounts. Uh, but then I asked the question, follow up with question is, what advice or training or instructions did you receive uh, when you opened it up? Mm. And from that large number of people who opened it up, Maybe a handful say, oh, my mom said these mm. things to mm-hmm. me uh, or my aunt mentioned these things to me. Um, but then that was it. Like mm-hmm. it was like one conversation and that was it. You know, uh, you know, off you go. My, my guess would be that those conversations probably revolved around don't respond to messages from strangers. Exactly. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is good advice. Yes. It's but very important. Advice. Often treated like it's the only advice yes. as far as how social media yeah. should be used. Yeah. yeah. And so that to me reveals the need of we need to contribute more to the conversation uh, and just having the conversation again. I'm, I think that it's so taboo in evangelical circles that we're not having it and we just need to talk about it. We, it needs to be part of our vocabulary. You know, 
how to care for our, our, our kids and our teens uh, mm-hmm. and how to help them responsibly. Now, it doesn't mean that every team should get it. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't either. I think it's dependent on the parent and asking the Lord for wisdom to say, hey, my child probably shouldn't. Maybe I should wait until they're of age and make the decision themselves. Maybe you're okay with it and you have a close, close relationship with your child uh, and want to be part of it. But uh, really realizing that there is a need for some education uh, in it. And so, and then you look at statistics, like the average person spends four to five hours uh, on social media and the average teen spends five plus hours mm. on social media a day, wow. a day. That's the average. And so that's a big pitfall. I mean, that's a, a lot of time wasted um, that could be spent with actual people, yeah. right? And instead you're scrolling through social media. So that's a big pitfall. And I think there's a lot of people fall into that. I would say maybe a lot of people, it's why they, you know, get off social media because they realize how much of a time yeah. waster it is. I actually have something to tack on yeah. the beginning of what you're saying. Um, I think maybe I have a unique experience around social media and the digital age just because there's a 12-year age gap in my um, family. So I had social media probably, maybe Instagram was probably the first. I don't remember, Mm -hmm. but we've always followed the minimum age requirements. You know, like I'd get it like on my birthday. Yeah. Um, But yet I'm watching my 12-year-old sister acquire social media for the first time. Um, My 16-year-old sister acquired social media for the first time, obviously at different stages. And just the role that parents play in the in the digital presence of their kids. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, like, I think one of the first things my sisters begged for was Snapchat. And there was not a lot of parental restrictions or controls on there at the time. I think now they've added quite a few more. I've been reading up on that a little bit and sent it to my mom. And um, But Snapchat has a lot of, you know, pitfalls. Like, if something's only available for 24 hours or, you know, it's it's a conversation that no one else can really be a part of. It's just between you and someone else and it's images. And if you scroll on the other side, there's a discover page. So much on there. I never scroll over there unless I want to see other people's stories yeah. and I click through those people I know. But like that was one of the first things that my mom was really just intentional with with my sisters of let's check it out together. You know, mm-hmm. like let's not necessarily that you need your hand held, but let's be critical together and, you know, refute what's said on there with the Bible and what we believe. And is it really, is the time that you're spending on there productive or is it actually going against the time that you could be doing something else? Like if it's productive, you know, like a friend really needs you, they're really struggling on their assignment, they're really struggling in their faith, you know, like that is time that is genuinely okay to be spent whereas if it's just you're sitting there and it's um you've idolized it um which more often than not we fail to call it idolatry but if you if you've idolized it and it's becoming time that you should be spending doing something else then maybe we shouldn't be doing that so i think that's just the unique experience that maybe um should be presented more where parents need to um, also have a say in what their children are viewing. And and being aware, I think, of more of, of the many pitfalls, right? More yeah. than just the don't talk to oh, strangers, sure. which again, an incredibly important conversation to have, but not the only conversation to have. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, just shifting gears a little bit here, 
if either of you guys have hopped on the Be Real. Yeah, I wanted to mention yeah. it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm on Be Real. Are you? Are Actually, you? Cl- Cliff and I, I think, got Ray on Be Real. We were sitting Real. in Starbucks. I don't have it. My wife has it. My, <laughs> my brother-in-law has it. He shows me a lot, but yeah, I don't have it. But The I'm, whole I'm idea of Be Real is that uh, one time a day for a span of about two minutes, you get a notification, random time of the day. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the idea is to be real, to be more candid. And so instead of <clears throat> posing and capitalizing on the major elements of your day-to-day, like I mentioned for Instagram or, or any of these other social media platforms, is that you have this two-minute span to just take a picture of whatever you're doing. Um, I think it's pretty neat. I wonder if it's going to continue to have traction because, like I mentioned, like there's not a lot of exciting things <laughs> happening. in my. I mean, there are exciting things to me, but probably not exciting things for most people. So if I'm sitting down, like I'm, I, I'm at seminary right now. So the other day I got to be real and I was sitting in front of my computer, taking a quiz. So I took a picture of myself <laughs> taking a quiz. But I don't know how exciting or how much people want to see that as much as they want to see like a picture of me and my children, you know, playing mm-hmm. at the park or something. Uh, so I wonder, but it, it's fun. And it does remind you of just the, the candid. And even as you scroll through, just to see people, you know, people are real people. And it's not always the the capital, the capitalization of. As opposed to but, somebody yeah. has a terrible day, but there was one great moment that they put a perfect filter on <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you think that's what their life looks like yeah. though the whole idea i think right is to try right. to show the real side it's also a great pun or whatever you want to be call real. it play yeah. on words be, be real. real it's be fantastic real. Yeah. It do you want to talk about your experience on it so far becca i actually i love it it's co- it's definitely comparable contrasting to the highlight reel you see on instagram on facebook yeah um i think it's a really great way to connect with people like I have a best friend from high school, haven't seen her in a while, but we talk every once in a while, but it's good to see her in her real life um, doing things. Um, And obviously there's two aspects of it. There's your friends page and then there's the page of people who post it for the world to see. And I'm, I don't have my profile set for the world to see because I don't need people to know that. And if they have their location on, that's that's really scary for me, but I really like to be able to keep up with my friends and saying like that does that might actually play into the FOMO a little bit because you end up seeing all of these people who are together all at the same time and you see it from different perspectives because they're all taking it during the same two minute span. But at the same time, for me, I don't take that as FOMO. I take it as I should reach out to them. We mm. need to hang out sometime mm-hmm. soon. So again, two aspects of you could that could be FOMO or it could be, wow, I'm going to utilize this. Yeah. And as motivation. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the nice part is, is that, you know, it's not just every time this one person posts pictures, they're with a group of friends, right? Right. The one day they, they were all hanging out when the Be Real happened. So that then they, but the next day they're sitting at the computer taking a quiz and you're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so I'm getting an accurate presentation of what this person's life yeah. is like rather than just how they want to portray it right which is we talk about anxiety related to social Mm -hmm. media and that's often right people are observing how other people want to portray their lives and then comparison comparing my real self with this other person's perfect portrayal and of course there's going to be anxiety involved there so i think the hope is with this you know you're you're portraying the real you but yeah, I agree. I don't know how long it's actually going to last. I'm very curious to watch it, and it's yeah. fascinating to me. It's fun while it's here, though. Yeah. It's fun while it's here. I do think it's the new Snapchat. 
Really? Yes. Not, I, not replacing Instagram, replacing Snapchat? I think it's replacing Snapchat. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Because I think like I personally stopped my Snapchat presence a couple years ago. I think that the streaks were really a lot for me to keep up on. And um, frankly, like Instagram, you can kind of use as Snapchat because like if you're in the if you're in DMs, you can like mm-hmm. send pictures back and forth. But I think Be Real is almost like a snapped streak a day. You know, except you're not sending it just to all of the people that you're trying to keep up with. You're sending it to people who are legitimately your friends or that you, you know, yeah, hang out with. I had somebody ask me once, what is a DM? What is everybody talking about? The DMs. <laughs> it's a direct message for those of you listening, wondering what that means. Direct message. Well, if, if you're sorry, I need to work on my wording. But um, if you're maybe even a little older than I am, I'm 22. Um, you might even know it as a PM. Oh yeah, personal message. Which I didn't know. <laughs> I I was like, wait, PM who for why? Like, what is that? So that's oh, yeah. a personal message. Or There's direct, direct message. message. They're basically the same. Synonymous. I don't know why we had yeah. to yeah. change the verbiage. That's funny. But I, I want to shift now into talking about purpose. And yeah. part of yeah. a little bit of everything we're talking about relates to purpose. But maybe if you could start it, because I have some questions related to this. Maybe if you want to start us out, Ray, on how should how are Christians approaching this idea mm-hmm. of having a purpose to social media? Like, how do you even start to think yes, through yeah. that? Well, good. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about this part. Let's talk about this part. Uh, so just kind of labeling things sometimes is helpful. And so there are three things that you do on a social media platform. You share, right? You share life with you. And we'll talk about what that looks like. You uh, listen. And so you watch and listen to perhaps a narrative that you're interested in. So that could be ministry, that could be parenting, that could be music, that could be art, that could be sewing. Uh, So you listen and you listen to a particular niche, right? That's giving it purpose. So instead of just whatever comes my way, you sort of said, I want to listen to this. Uh, And then you engage. And so engage is engaging in those conversations through comments, direct messages, personal messages. Um, And so those are the three things you do on social media. You listen. Uh, sorry, you share, you listen, and you engage. Now, you don't have to do all three of these. Uh, you could just share and just say, I'm just going to share. You know, I use this, like Facebook for me is the way I keep up with family and extended family and close friends. Um, and so I, anytime there's a life event, I, sh- I share it. And then I listen. I also see my, uh, I have family in Mexico that I haven't seen oh, maybe almost 10 years. Uh, and I get to see when they travel and what they're up to or when my uncle's is his birthday and I send him a message and wish him happy birthday and, and reminisce on times we spent together when I was kids. Um, so you listen and, and that's an example of engaging as well. So you engage with the material there. Um, I, when I talked about this with students, I say, what do you call a person when you're, let's say in a social event and they stand in the corner and just watch? What do you call that person? Uh, and eventually we get to, oh, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> and then I say, don't be creepy on social media, <laughs> right? Don't be creepy on social media. And so really what I'm saying is not that you're not listening. If you're listening to a particular uh, conversation, that that's not being creepy. You're sort of being purposeful. But with no purpose, if you're just scrolling endlessly, it's a little creepy, right? It, it has no purpose at that point. You don't have a conversation you're listening to. You don't have people you want to keep up with. You're just wasting time on it. Uh, so I say to students, don't be creepy, uh, either give it purpose or get off of it. Uh, but those are the three things you do. And now, as far as sharing, um, that's a big deal. 
and, and we have a lot of conversation in class about that. And so for sharing, what I would say is that you need to understand uh, your, the inward parts of sharing and then the outward. And so the inward is really being honest with yourself to say, what am I about? Well, if you're a Christian, you should be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and maybe you have hobbies that you engage with. And then maybe you have work that you find meaningful in. And so share about those things. And what I ask students to do one of the assignments is they have to go look at the last 20 posts that they have had and categorize them. And often what students find is that, oh man, I rant a lot on Twitter. <laughs> Does this accurately represent me of who I am? Oh, maybe not. Uh, or I'm just, um, uh, or maybe I'm not sharing anything at all, but I'm wasting time on it. You know, so it's just sort of taking inventory to say, okay, what is my social presence, to, to use Becca's uh, term there, or my social identity, and is, is it accurate? Uh, and then the outward is, is it what I want it to be? And so not that you want to be fake, uh, but if you want to contribute to a conversation, if you're listening and you want to contribute to a conversation, uh, are you contributing well? Are you building each other up? Hebrews 10, I think of this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, by encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, our church supports a number of missionaries, and I follow them on social media, and I'm always so encouraged to see the work that the Lord is doing through them. And then I engage with them. I say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. Or they will introduce a person who's inquiring about the Lord Jesus. And I'll just stop at that moment and give a short prayer and say, Lord, would you work in this person's heart? Um, so it has the potential to do very positive things in your life. And so those are the three areas, you know, kind of maybe the article that I haven't written yet <laughs> can go a little more in depth. But those are three things you, you share, you listen, and you engage, and you want to be purposeful for those things. So think about, you know, take inventory of your social media and say, okay, what am I listening to? Am I listening to family and friends? It, do, am I listening to people I don't know? Um, and maybe there's people you aspire to be like. Follow those people. Listen to what they have to say. Let them influence you and your thoughts if it's people you aspire to be like. Um, so, uh, for example, not the perfect example, but I try to be purposeful with my social media. I use each platform with a different purpose. Mm. And so, Facebook is to keep up with family and friends. I've used it the longest. I have the largest um friend group there. And so that's what I use that for. Uh, and I don't use it for anything else. I mean, I use it for marketplace. That's another purpose I have. So I can sell things off of Facebook. Uh, but I don't really spend a ton of time on Facebook. It's not good for my soul, actually, to spend too much time on Facebook. Instagram is, I'm a musician. I lead worship at my church and is my music platform. I follow guitarists that I really enjoy. I, I follow worship leaders that I aspire to be like. And they all contribute uh, to the area that I'm listening to. And so I listen and engage there. I hear book recommendations. Oh, that's really neat. And I add it to my wish list. Uh, it's, the, it's the place where I listen and engage. And I post a little bit as well. But mostly I use it to listen and engage on that particular area. And then Twitter and LinkedIn is my professional learning network. So I follow people who are doing instructional design work at the higher education level, both secular and, and Christian. And I let them contribute. I mean, I've, heard, I've seen so it's a, such a neat community, actually, that I get to be a part of. And I've got to engage with people that I wouldn't have engaged otherwise. You know, I engage with uh, an instructional designer at MIT who has been so helpful in building processes for us here at Global Campus. And so uh, he mentioned something in one of his uh, posts, and I messaged him, and I said, hey, can you, you know, would you have any material you could share with me? And he sent me a ton of materials for us to look through. 
Um, so it's, it's been really helpful to sort of be part of this personal learning network. And so I've built a personal le learning network of the areas I want to grow in and contribute in. And I use those for that. And so they have a purpose. I listen and share and engage in different capacities in each of those. But those are the purpose I've, I've given them. Um, so when I talk about purpose, sort of to sum up, that's how I use them. Maybe, I don't know if Becca, you have other experiences how to use them. Yeah, so um, something that I've recently started, actually, I am discipling and causing others to disciple, I guess, um, a couple of girls in the Dubuque area. So um, it's a small group, but on top of that, there's discipleship. I could get into that and talk about it for days, but um, recently I wrote a blog post on there about um, somebody's tweet, and it was a good tweet, which is why I felt like I needed to address it, and there are a couple of reasons. Her name is Lisa Whittle, I think. Um, there's a couple of things that you can do on social media, having that social presence. Um, you can either participate, um, you can, again, stand by, or you can leave and that would also be you can be influenced you can influence or you cannot be on social media those are really those three aspects of it and if you're not going in with the mindset of this is my intention this is my purpose odds are you're getting influenced and you're not influencing and it's not necessarily like, oh, I'm being influenced by all these bad people. Well, no, not necessarily, because you could just be following people in that niche group of people who you aspire to be, people who you look up to. Um, but it's definitely just an aspect of, you know, everything that you see can impact you. And so allowing it to do that, it's either going to be a good thing or a bad thing, you know, like just to weed out the things that aren't necessarily profitable in your mind is definitely extremely, extremely important. Um, when we're talking about, you know, just having that purpose on social media. Yeah. Yeah. So Ray, you, you've got this imaginary scenario. You're a few years away from this. You've got an 18 year old child, yeah. right? <laughs> and they, that's They're, a scary thought. <laughs> she's two. I'm not ready for that. You got 16 years. And and she's about to maybe join social media for the first time. Maybe it's 16, whatever age, yeah. right? And you're going to have a conversation about being purposeful with social media use. Yeah. Are you, you know, what advice are you going to give? Are you going to say this should be your purpose? Or is it going to be more about how to choose a purpose? And then how, how would you have that type of conversation uh, in that scenario? Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is that what the conversation I would have now may look different 16, 18 years from now, because yeah. Yeah. what it looked like in 2005 when social media started with MySpace looks very different than it yeah. does now. 15 years, 16, 17, 18 years from now will look even more. Uh, but right now, what I would say is uh, I, I would say, hey, I want you to, to join me on social media. And so we're doing this together. And so I want to see what you're posting. You're going to see what I'm posting. Uh, and be reminded in your identity of Christ. And so your identity should spill into every area of your life, including your social media there. And so if there's something on there that is not contributing positively to your identity in Christ, uh, then you need to be honest with yourself and get rid of it. I would also um, set limits. So I, I want to, and I don't have this figured out. I will be honest. I don't have this figured out because it's new, and it would be new for me to instruct somebody who mm -hmm. is just starting as opposed to 
dealing with college students who have had it for a long time. Um, but I do think that education it just needs to be a conversation. And so if I see something that they post that maybe is not honoring to the Lord or that they engage with, then I would say, hey, I noticed this. Um, I want to talk about it. Or how did it make you feel? Uh, or if I start noticing that my child is moody in a different way, I would say, hey, what, what's what's causing this? Um, and I would say I've gone through seasons where I go on a sabbatical. I take a two week off social media because I'm, man, it's just got, especially during the COVID season and uh, politics and chaos. I mean, it, it was a dark, dark, dark place being on, so, on social media, you know, 20, early 21, uh, late 2020. Uh, I got off. I was like, I, this is affecting me way too much. I need to get off it. And so I got off it for two weeks, um, kind of had a reset and then slowly reengaged again. And then helping her have a parameter. So a good parameter to have is check your privacy settings once or twice a year. And so every January, actually, I go through all my privacy settings on all my social media accounts, making sure that what's shared, people are seeing what I want people to see, uh, location, whether you want that to be shared or not. I usually turn those off. Um, you can always tag a location. And so social media doesn't need to always know your location. And so I just turn that off by default, but it's on by default. Uh, I also turn off notifications. I don't want to get notifications from social media. And so I would, you know, help my daughter set those things up for them. Uh, badges. I don't have badges on social media. And then I also don't have it on my home screen. And I have a timer set on my, on my social media where cumulatively, I don't spend more than half an hour on social media. Now I can bypass it myself. I think for my daughter, if I was setting that up and I was teaching her how to be in this space, I would uh, not, I would set the passcode for those things so mm. that she couldn't overstep because I want to train her up in it in the same way that you would train a 16 year old to drive a car uh, in the same way that you do uh, premarital counseling. There's no way you can prepare them for everything in this new space that they're work they're going to be in. Uh, you want to just give them the tools to ask the right questions and to be as successful as possible as they're transitioning onto social media. Uh, and then just being self-reflective. There's something called uh, uh, emotional in in intelligence. And so it's being aware of your feelings and what's causing those feelings. Uh, and so I think that's a neat opportunity also to say, hey, this is really affecting you. Uh, maybe let's try something. Let's try getting off social media. And if it's and if it's getting better, then maybe we talk about, okay, maybe you need to limit back or maybe you shouldn't be on it at all. Um, I've talked to my wife. My wife actually went through a whole year, almost two years without being on social media. And it was great for her. And she realized that uh, it was affecting her. And she's on it now, very limited, uh, because she wants to listen to a certain niche that she's interested in. And so it's just neat that she gets to be influenced by this niche that she's specifically using Instagram for. Uh, so that that's I said like that's good. You you have a purpose for it. You're not coming at it just to go aimlessly. It has a purpose. Uh, so that th those are the things that I would set up right now is getting them in the practice of checking the privacy settings annually, setting the right parameters. Um, you know, another principle is uh, maybe before you get on social media, uh, have an interaction, a personal interaction with somebody, um, or making sure that you're doing that daily. You know, I think of these statistics that say five plus hours is the average teen. Is spending on social media, I think, man, why aren't they hanging out with their friends? Why aren't they out and about? Uh, instead, they're on social media. And so just having those parameters and making sure that you you assess things um, accurately. Uh, some people do get affected with FOMO, but I think I tend to lean kind of what Becca said, where it, it sort of motivates me to mm. do things different. So sometimes I see a 
missionary sharing the gospel, some people may look at that and say, oh, I feel guilty. I'm not sharing the gospel uh, and, and sort of lead into anxiety and depression. I mean, some people may experience that. I experience, I look at that and I think, okay, I'm going to pray for my neighbor. I want to talk to my neighbor this week. And so praying that the opportunity would come and I want to be bold with the gospel. I want to share that I'm a believer. I'm saying, hey, I'm going to church. Uh, we had an event at church recently and I was praying that I would see my neighbor to invite them. I didn't get to see my neighbor. They were nowhere. I didn't see him at all that week. But, you know, sort of uh, using it as a motivation to live for the Lord is a way. But not everybody thinks that way. And so you just need to be honest with yourself uh, and then with your kids to answer your question. Mm -hmm. So kind of be involved in those in those emotions. Becca, you're maybe a little closer to this. And since you grew up in it, you, uh, you have any insights? Well... I feel like it's, it's, I mean, it's hard because, you know, like if I were telling my kids, you know, that's in a long time. But um, I think just being critical, I think one of the biggest tools that you can give somebody is the gospel and having all of your actions flow from that. I think that again, just how you can't necessarily prepare them for, you know, every traffic circle. Like you can't say they're going to go on a trip when they're older. You're not going to, you're not going to take them to that particular traffic circle while they're learning to drive, but you can equip them with the tools that they need to be successful. And by that you're saying, Hey, like this is how we interact with our cousins. This is how we interact with your father. This is how you interact with those around you. So then they can take those tools with them in the digital world and they're not going to, you know, go off of the path because they see it as this is how I interact with things and why would I stop now by all means? Like, why would I not be critical about what's going into my mind if I've been critical about that my whole life? So I think... Um, Definitely like cycling it in slowly, I think is really important. Um, I did not get all of my social media all at the same time. I think that would be extremely overwhelming. And I honestly wouldn't have latched on to them as I obviously do because it's my job. But um, definitely giving them parameters of, okay, I have my Instagram on a 45 minute timeline. But since I do it for my job, I bypass it every time. But if I had a kid, you know, that had that on there, I would say you can't you can't bypass it. We would have parameters mm -hmm. um, to operate within, but still being able to have those conversations and be critical, I think, is one of the biggest tools that you can provide. And I want to put an asterisk on that because Becca said 45 minutes. I think the recommendation if you go look online is 30 to 45 minutes cumulatively on social media. Um, but that's that's very subjective because a lot of damage can happen in 30 minutes. It's mm -hmm. very true. Right? Yeah. And so it's assuming that you're sort of listening and you've curated the things you want to be engaging with. And if those things are things that are building you up, um, like we mentioned in Hebrews 10, then there's there's less risk of it being a very dark place. But if there's no curating, if it's just free rain, uh, uh, roaming, uh, then 30 minutes uh, means nothing. You know, there could be a lot of bullying, cyberbullying happening in 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And so it's not just the time frame. It's all the other aspects we mentioned is knowing what, do you, what are your kids or what are you listening to on social media? 
uh, and there's people I remove. Like there are family members that I have taken off uh, from following social media because they're not they're not building me up. I'm just walking away frustrated. So in those 30 minutes I was on, <laughs> I'm not walking away feeling built up, and I can I can tell you who's contributing to it. So I take them off. Or you can limit it. You can also go and not take them off as your friends, but on Facebook, uh, at least I, I, that I'm aware of, you can go and say, I want to see less posts from these people or I want to see no posts from these people, but they're still friends. So you can go on their on their profile to keep up with family members. But I do this sometimes <laughs> to even close family members. Um, so you have to sort of curate your feed and not just let it roam free because it doesn't matter if it's 15 minutes. There's a lot of damage that can happen in even five minutes on social media. So you you have to be engaged in it. And so with all that being said, um, I, I, I want to make sure I'm community. I'm not advocating. If you don't have social media, I'm not advocating that you get it. Um, and if you have it, I'm not telling you you should keep it. What I'm saying is I want to contribute to the conversation to say, here are the parameters, here's how to keep it in bounds, and here's how to give it a purpose. Like a vehicle has a purpose to take you from A to B, and when you use it for anything other than that, it becomes dangerous. Uh, when you give social media a purpose, it becomes less dangerous. You give it no purpose or you use it outside of its purposes, it becomes dangerous. And so those are the things that you want to kind of keep in mind. Have either of you watched The Social Dilemma? I have not, but a lot of people have told me about so it. So many. My parents watched yeah. it, I think, and they really advocated for me to see it. So I'm not going to try to summarize the whole movie. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of people who used to work in, for social, different mm -hmm. social media companies mm -hmm. who no longer do, kind of exposing the dark side, the, the sinister side behind social media. Um, a lot of people walk away from the movie thinking, I need to delete my accounts or mm -hmm. I need to... You know, I'm only allowing myself one day on social media a month or so, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's that might be a great response. But it's a lot about it talks a lot about the algorithm. Right. The the scary algorithm. Um, and as people who. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, what is but, an well, algorithm? I'll explain it. But, as, but as people <laughs> who work in who work in social media. Right. And Nathan behind the camera, too. Right. We've actually experienced what you might call the, the positive side of the algorithm when we're trying to target people for advertisements. Right. I'm sure you've you've and you can look at on a Facebook. Right. You come to an advertisement. You could say oh, people this age, this religion, they lean this way politically. I want people that are more likely to click on a link or I want people that are more likely to buy something or I want people more likely to like or more likely to share or more likely to comment. You can you can like cultivate all these things and it's because the algorithm or whatever you want to call it has um, the, the social media company has examined how these people use social media and are constantly creating this profile about who they are and how they use social media. Um, the way I walked away from the movie was either I need a purpose or I need to get off. That's mm -hmm. that's how I felt. I would encourage you both to watch it. Encourage anybody that's listening to watch it. Um, uh, it's not a Christian movie. There might be some Christian morals that you find there. It's not a Christian movie. I'm not going to say I support 100% of everything in the movie, but very fascinating and it causes you to think. Um, but I, it, it was showing you the, the danger of the, the infinite scrolling, yeah. um, of how you set up your notifications and things like this, because the whole idea is Twitter wants you on Twitter as much as possible. And Facebook wants you on Facebook as much as possible. And TikTok wants you on TikTok as much as possible, et cetera. And uh, so it was very fascinating to, to watch that and to think, okay, if I'm not using this with a purpose, 
it's it's going to cause me to be addicted. Yeah. It's going to cause me to endlessly scroll. And now I'm going to get into things that I don't that it can find out are going to keep me hooked, but not necessarily going to positively influence me. Yeah. So I found it to be a fascinating watch. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I listen to with the algorithm. Um, you know, I. People want to get mad at these social media platforms. I'm very speaking opinion here. Okay. And my opinions change. So uh, I hope I'm not, you know, stoned after. Speak your opinion. Uh, after <laughs> share my opinion. But I think every business does this. Like I think of, of Target, you know, from the music they play yep. in the speakers to the placement of the items in the store to the route that you take. Absolutely. They're trying to influence what you purchase and they want you to stay in the store as much as possible. That's why they have sales. Even when they lose money on a sale, they gain by having the customer in the store buying more than they, they, um, they intended. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so just like when you go to the grocery store, uh, it, you save money when you have a list and you go and tackle that list as opposed to going to the grocery store and just saying, well, what should I buy today? Yeah. And you just add things and add things and add things. And then you may still need more after you get home, realize, oh, I didn't get all the things I needed for this meal I wanted to prepare. Um, and so just like any of these things, it needs to have a purpose as far as like advertising goes. Yeah, we we definitely reap some of the benefits in that we want to target the people who might be interested yes, in, exactly. in these yes. things. We don't want to just sort of cast a super wide net mm -hmm. uh, of people who may not be interested in um, specifically global campus, which is what, what we deal with. Uh, and so we, we want some of the, some of that, that those benefits is that we want to target the people who love the Lord and who are sharing things about their faith on social media. Cause those are likely the people who may want to know about the things that are happening here. Uh, one tip I had, if you're worried about privacy and those kinds of things, um, apps, when you download them to your phone, have a little bit more access. Like I was reading recently that TikTok in their privacy sort of policy, they could access files that are on your device. It has, it says files. I don't know what files means, but it says files. Some people are concerned that, you know, they can access your files on your phone. Um, I don't read all the policies, but if you're concerned about those things, you can use social media from the browser on your phone and it limits some of those things if you're concerned about it. But as far as the algorithm goes, it still, it still sort of tries to see what things are you liking on social media so that they're presenting you with things that you might be more interested in. And those things change. So as you like different things, uh, you get different kinds of ads. So I, I personally don't have a problem with it, but some people do. And so it's those people who feel very strongly about it that I would say, you know, don't, don't fret, get off of it. And they don't, they don't put anything in front of you. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. All right. So in terms of the algorithm, my yes. brother has a car Instagram. He has an Audi, which is pretty cool. You know, so he, he posts a lot of videos of his car and, um, of course I want to support my brother. So I comment on one of his most recent posts. I got so many car videos <laughs> after that. And I'm not saying like, I think this is just, you know, the vague, like yeah. that happens every once in a while, but the algorithm as a whole, I don't think should be a reason that you don't go on social media. And let me explain. It's mainly because it's going to target you towards things that you have liked towards things that you have shown an interest in. And unless you've shown an interest in it, right, it won't target you. So if you don't show an interest in it, it's not going to, you know, give you something that you won't 
enjoy. So if you start liking things that maybe aren't profitable, if you start um, commenting on things that maybe you shouldn't be, then it's going to give you that same material because, again, it wants to keep you on that app. It wants to keep you um, engaging in other things as well. So the algorithm is doing its job because it wants to find people who like the posts that are on that platform. And so, again, just being super critical with the things that you interact with even, um, that way you actually get a curated feed of um, the things that are good, the things that, you know, make sense with your goal, your end goal of being on that social media. And there's another, I mean, there's all these aspects about social media, but another one is if you're you're struggling with depression, and you are following or liking things that are perhaps influencing you in a negative way, you're going to start seeing, I mean, this is, this is the issue. You start seeing more of those things that are not helpful to you. Right. Um, and so I would say that we're not talking necessarily to those people. Hopefully that you're talking to a professional and most professionals nowadays ask you as part of conversation, counseling professionals ask you, what is your, what is your activity on social media? It's just part of the conversation now. Uh, hopefully somebody's advising you to get off of it while you're mm-hmm. recovering from whatever uh, issues you're dealing with. And so that is the downside of it is you're mm-hmm. if you're liking things that are not building you up, you're going to see more of those things. Um, and so I, I definitely see, especially for teens, I think of teens who maybe are following these influencers who are mentioning things that maybe are not profitable for them. And now they start seeing it in their stream. Um you know, that, that is, that has potential dangers. And so, you know, parents need to be involved in there. And I would say that I would lean more towards, you know, late high school age for students to jump on social media um, than middle school, if I was going to pick, pick an, uh, an age. Well, thank you both very much for coming on. This is a fun conversation. Yeah. I think there's probably more conversations to be had around this. So yeah. Uh, maybe one one or both of you will be back. Maybe some other faculty or staff. I'm not sure yet. We'll have to figure that out. But thank you both. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.